so much. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Aaron and Mary. Thank you to our praise man. New guy was in the drums or in our human aquarium that we have, and so we appreciate him. He's not new anymore. Been here almost a month doing a great job, and we appreciate him. Hey, can we, can we do like the first graders? I've got mine. Anybody else? Anybody got your? Hold up your phone. It'll be okay if that's what you're looking on. All right. Thank you so much. Would you find in your Bibles 2 Kings chapter 6, going to be reading uh, verses 14 through 23. 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 15 through 19. We're going to read some more than those verses, but we're going to read 15 through 19 to begin with. And uh, so you want to keep your phones open to that page or your Bible open to that page. I think that would be great. It's an exciting time of year for us. Our new church year officially begins in September, but we know where we live. Everything begins by semester and school year. So it's a new beginning for us. Exciting time. Kids promoted today. First grade Bibles were done. And, and we want to take time. Uh, so I want to warn you. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand if you're uh, going to kindergarten through graduate school, if you're teaching, if you're a professor, if you are administration, if you're a coach. I'm going to have you stand because we want to commission and we want to pray for you as you start the new year. If you're part of Parkway Preschool, we're going to have a commissioning next week. We're going to invite all of our teachers to come. we got 35, 40 teachers, 170, 80 kids, and they're going to invite their parents to come as well. A special prayer for Parkway Preschool next week uh, for that. So uh, you've been warned. We've got your attention. And remain standing so, so we can pray for you. Kindergarten through graduate school, uh, whether it's private, public, uh, homeschool, or any teachers, which may mean parents as well, if one of you stand, the rest of you, would you please stand at this time? There you go. I know we, got, we had many in the first service, several, of course, in this service. So if you're teaching, going to school, helping in school, working for schools, we want, to, we want to commission you in this way because we realize as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, as a member of this church or a member of the church, and so even if you're a guest here today, we encourage you to stand as well. And uh, we realize what you do, you're not there just for an education. The Bible says that we are ambassadors for Christ. So you're an ambassador where you go, and uh, you represent the Lord Jesus. For many of you, I know that I did not have to tell you that. It's a calling, particularly if you are teaching administrative adult, and it's a calling, I'm telling you, even as uh, our, our students, many of them in the first service, many in this service, we know they're more coming in for college in the next couple of weeks, and we're going to take time to pray for you. I'm going to pray. You may or may not know people who are sitting right around you, but would you also pray for those who are around you involved in these things as we begin this new year, dedicated to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Fathers, we come to you now. We thank you that we can be a part of the greatest force in all the universe, and that is the army of the living God. We thank you, Father, that you have already commissioned us that wherever we are that we represent you. I pray for these who are standing from the youngest in kindergarten to the oldest who is either teaching or professor, administrative coach. Father, we pray that you'll be with each one. Walk with them. Keep them healthy. And Father, pray that you'll uh, be with them in every way. Give them success in the classroom, success in the goals and the things that they aspire to be. We pray that their desires might be for you first and foremost. We pray that they may represent you in the schools and university. Father, just pray that everything that they do might uh, reflect upon you, that they might be a light to those who are experiencing darkness, that they might be able to show love, even to those who are not loving. We pray that you'll be with them, walk with them. May they represent you in a manner worthy of the calling of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This we pray in the precious name of the Lord Jesus. Amen and amen. And you may be seated. 
Thank you so much. Exciting time. We're, we're in 2 Kings as we're continuing our series about what God can do. We're looking at what Elisha's God can do and learning more about Elisha's God as well. And so we're in 2 Kings chapter 6. We're going to be reading, uh, begin in verse 15. We'll read through 19. It says, When the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? He said, Do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And when the Syrians came down against him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, Please strike this people with blindness. So he struck them with blindness in accordance with the prayer of Elisha. And verse 19 reads, And Elisha said to them, This is not the way, and this is not the city. Follow me, and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. And he led them to Samaria. May the Lord bless the reading of his holy word today. Can I tell you that one of the verses that uh, I use quite often in my personal devotion while, before I read God's word is Psalm 119, verse 18. Psalm 119, verse 18. This has opened my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your law. And let me encourage you that uh, as we move forward or even now, would you whisper this as a prayer as we move forward? that the Lord might be able to help us to see God today at work and might open our hearts and our minds to what He would have to see in the very Scripture today. Today, it is my prayer that you might be able to see God's Word and even the Lord Jesus and your walk with Him in fresh and new ways. Maybe to see new things from this particular Scripture or maybe even to be able to see new and fresh ways in which the Lord is working in your life. In fact, let this be kind of a discipleship teaching and lab work all in one today. Not just something that we're talking about that we hope that you do one day, but maybe something particular that you could even put into practice at this very hour and this very moment and that we might be able to see even more of how God wants to speak to us today and to be able to see more of Jesus. Uh, much like Israel when David was king, it seems that they were always at war with the Philistines. Well, in the time of Elijah and Elisha, it seemed that the Israelites are always at war with the Syrians, sometimes called the Arameans, maybe depending on your translation, but it's the same as the people of Syria. And sometimes the king of Syria and his troops won battles over Israel. Almost always, if not always, it was because Israel was being disobedient and God was using them to discipline and bring them uh, back to him as well. But God was always faithful to his people. There was always a remnant of God's people that were following. As a matter of fact, I'm sure that the prophet Elijah and the prophet Elisha always were preaching about being faithful to God, and perhaps more and more people were. As a matter of fact, we're going to find in this chapter that there were sons of prophets, those who were training in the prophets that might even have been increasing, and we'll talk more about that in a moment. But in this chapter, God is using Elisha to frustrate the king of Syria. Whatever, whenever the Syrian king took his troops to fight the Israelites, Elisha would always tell the king of Israel where the Syrian army was and how they might be able to help or avoid or fight or whatever. So much so was the case that the Syrian king got together with his advisors or with his servants and he told them, there must be a spy amongst us because no matter where I go, the king of Israel knows where we are, knows where the troops are. But the servant said, no, it's not there's a spy among us, it's Elisha. 
And Elisha is telling because Elisha was able to know, certainly because God was able to tell him. But Elisha knew every move of Syria and the troops. So the king's next move is to go and find Elisha and eliminate this prophet who is thwarting his plan of attacks against Israel. We began in verse 15 a moment ago. Let's look at verse 13, a couple of verses before what we read, to where it says, And he said, Go and see where he is, that I may send and seize him. It was told him, Behold, he is in Dothan, Alabama. It was uh, probably a different Dothan. You may have heard of that Dothan in the Bible before because it was Joseph who was looking for his brothers, and they were told that he would, their brothers were in Dothan just before uh, Joseph was put in the pit by his brothers. It does seem curious to me. He's told, Elisha knows your every move. And then uh, why would he not think Elisha would know this move? But this does give us our first glimpse of spiritual sight that he'd like for us to be able to see today. And it is this, see the Lord watching you. See the Lord watching you. Now, understanding that could give you great encouragement or maybe great embarrassment, depending on your perspective. But it means to give you confidence in knowing God cares for you. And whatever you're facing today, whatever you're going through today, God sees and you are not alone. So maybe better understood that God has seen the Lord watching over you. In the Old Testament, we find these verses in this verse in 2 Chronicles chapter 16 and verse 9. Where it says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. Certainly God sees. He knows whatever it is that you're going through. He wants us to be loyal to him, certainly in all things, but he loves us regardless. Then we find in the New Testament, it's the story after the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus tells the disciples to go across the Sea of Galilee. And the Bible tells us that he goes up on a mountain to pray. And meanwhile, the disciples are in a storm. And then it says, though, God is watching. In fact, Mark chapter 6 and verse 48, it says this. And he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them about the fourth watch of the night. He came to them walking on the sea. He meant to pass them by. God is watching. He knows and he's coming. God knows where you are. He may not always reveal his plans like it seems that he does to Elisha. But for those who are followers of Jesus we know that there are times that we feel really close to God. Hopefully in a setting like this, like in worship service today. Listen, if you weren't excited to be in worship today, the band was excited for the rest of us, I think. They had an exciting time, and we're excited to be with them. Uh, we have exciting times. We know that many of your children and students have been on camp uh, this summer and uh, boy they've all having a mountaintop experience and a great time together we know that many of our adults as well as our children have been on mission trips we've had, we've had five out of the seven mission trips take place already that we're having this year many of those come back on fire for Jesus we hope that never diminishes and we hope that it continues to spread throughout the church but we know that there are times for all of us that we don't really feel the closeness of God but thank goodness that our belief and what we and our faith is not based on feelings, but it's based on fact. It's based on the fact of God's love. And we know that He loves us and cares for us. The sovereignty of the Lord, we know, is never diminished. We'll, we'll not fully comprehend the power and the presence of the Lord this side of heaven and how He does have His hand in everything, from the least of us to the reign of all nations. Especially, the Bible says, allowing those 
to rule and nations to rise and fall at his command and for his purposes. When it seems as if injustice is on the rise and national leaders are causing havoc and entire countries are either being mistreated or they are falling or dictating evil, that's when your faith and mine must increase. Faith in the sovereignty of God is easy when all evil dictators and wicked nations are crumbling. It takes faith to continue to believe and to look for Jesus even when the news seems to be all bad. It might help to remember that when Jesus was born, there was a king by the name of Herod that thought that he had all power and even sought to destroy all the babies who were being born in Bethlehem. And then 33 years later, there was another king also named Herod. He also turned Jesus back over to Pontius Pilate in order that he might be executed. God's people were oppressed by one of the most corrupt governments in history. Still, what did Jesus tell his followers? Still told them to pay their taxes. And God was at work to use those very historical events to provide salvation to the greatest event ever in history, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So don't stop believing God's always at work. When the king of Syria discovered Elisha was in Dothan, let's read what he did in verse 14. It says, So he sent their horses and chariots and a great army, and they came by night, and they surrounded the city. They have surrounded the city to seize Elisha. Elisha shows great courage. His servant, not so much. We read in verse 15 just a moment ago where he said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? When he got up and saw the Syrian army, he probably revealed what most uh, normal people and how no, most normal people would respond. In fact, here's how it says it in the New International Version. It says, When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Now, the servant was actually asking Elisha, What shall he do? What shall we do? But it's often our response when we are surrounded or in such difficulties. Oh, my Lord. Well, let's be honest. We probably identify more with the servant than we, than we do with Elisha. Now, this is a different servant that we talked about last week in the chapter previous to that. That was the servant that was struck with uh, leprosy. He was a servant that showed little or no character. But this particular servant of Elijah, he did what it is that we need to do in most situations, that we always need to be seeking and asking the Lord to help us when we face difficulties and seemingly unanswerable questions. To call on the prophet of God was virtually the same as calling on God. Elisha is not God, but seeking his wisdom and direction would be considered the same as seeking after God if with sincere and submissive spirit. So this should be the question. Alas, my Lord, what shall I do? when surrounded by financial obligations beyond what you can pay, when faced with family conflict and no one will cooperate, when loneliness is beyond our deepest hurt, when temptations or addictions are overwhelming, when you're surrounded by the enemy on every side, not flesh and blood, but evil or the wickedness of the world or the devil himself, it's okay to ask, Lord, what shall I do? In fact, not only is it okay to ask, it's what you need to ask. Every day, even when everything is going your way. So be able to see today with spiritual eyes. See the Lord listening and answering your every prayer and your every request. Now Elisha is going to call on the Lord and make a request. He's going to pray for three things, all of them having to do 
with physical sight in one way or another. And the first request is that his servant might be able to see physically what is happening spiritually. To be able to see what most people can. I do believe if we ask, God's going to show us what most people cannot see. Particularly those who are not believers in the Lord Jesus, that the Lord's going to help us to see by faith. And even those who are professing believers but are not necessarily walking by faith or have confidence that the Lord hears our prayers. Isaiah wrote, the Lord said in Isaiah chapter 65 and verse 24, the Lord says, Before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. It is true that God hears and He answers your prayers. Believing this to be true allows us to see even more of God and where He is at work. You remember Thomas, known as Downing Thomas, the one who was not in the upper room when Jesus revealed Himself on that first Easter Sunday. And he said he would not believe until he saw or even until he touched Jesus. No matter how many disciples said that they saw Jesus, he refused to believe until Jesus came and revealed himself to Thomas a week later. And when he did, Jesus said, You believe because you have seen. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Now, most of us are not necessarily as courageous or as faithful as Elisha. And we're not Jesus but we want to be more like Jesus. So here's a phrase that will help you today. In fact, if you take nothing else away from today, from verse, take this away from verse 16, take this with you today, and it's Elisha's answer, and he prays. He says, do not be afraid, he tells the servant. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Or the New Testament version, greater is he that is in me, meaning the Lord Jesus, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Do we need to identify the us and the them in what Elisha said? Us, those who are with us. In one sense, it's all those who are in Christ. All of us have a common bond because we've given our heart and life to Jesus. We've placed our faith in Him. We know that He is the crucified and resurrected Lord. Now, there may, be, there may not be more believers than there are lost people and non-believers in the world. In fact, Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 7, 14... For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life and those who find it are few. But because of the power of Christ in us, the church of the living God, the body of Christ, the gates of hell shall not prevail against. However, in light of this text, perhaps the us with only Elisha and his servant in the town of Dothan surrounded by the enemy, the us can be applied to you with God on your side. Maybe even more so that you know that you have the heavenly host <laughs> and all the angels in heaven on chariots of fire and the horses of heaven. Or to go to God alone with amazing power beyond our comprehension. You've heard the phrase perhaps, God plus you equals a majority. It sounds, it's a nice t-shirt. I'm not sure it's great biblical theology. Because with or without you or me, God is not a majority. He is a monopoly. He just lets us join in in what He's already doing by His good grace. Well, who's the them? Well, the them that may be against us. It's not flesh and blood. It's not even those people who might ridicule and persecute the church or want to rid the world of the church. Oh, no. These people are our mission. And to treat them like enemies would be to uh, take us away from our mission. It defeats the purpose. That's why Jesus said to love your enemy. Know the them, our enemy, or the principalities and the rulers of this world, Satan, sin, temptation, worldliness, and even death. 
That or those who would lead you away from a growing relationship with Jesus. The one with us is greater than the one or any who might be against us. In fact, the Apostle Paul wanted to talk about this very thing in Romans chapter 8. He said in verses 31 and 32, What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Do you believe that God cares for all of your problems, big or small? Or maybe you're like the guy that was late for an appointment and he couldn't find a place to park, so he begins to pray, Lord, please, I need a place to park. Could you open up a parking place? I really could use your help, Lord. I'm already late. Could there be an open parking place? Suddenly there's an open parking place. And then he says, never mind, Lord, I already found one. Listen, included in this chapter in verses 1 through 7 is a short story about the sons of the prophets, which may be just synonymous with prophets or those prophets in training. And they come to Elisha and they ask for permission to increase their dwelling. So they must be increasing. So they ask Elisha, can we go down to the Jordan River? Can we cut down some trees and build some new dwellings? Elisha says, go. Then they say, would you like to come with us? And Elisha comes and goes with them. Read what happens in verses 5 and 6. 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 5. It says, but as one was felling a log, his axe head fell into the water and he cried out, Alas, my master, it was borrowed. Leave it to the preacher to lose a borrowed axe. Then verse 6, Then the man of God said, Where did it fall? When he showed them place, he cut off a stick and threw it in there and made the iron float. This is one of those good Bible trivia questions where the Bible doesn't say that the axe head did float. 2 Kings 6.6, 6, now you've got it. But even more than that, it reminds us, as no request is too large because God's a big God, no request is too trivial, none is too small. And it's trusting and submitting to the Lord Jesus, to our God Almighty, whatever His answer may be, because we know that He knows best. But listen to Elisha's prayer again in verse 17. 2 Kings chapter 6 and verse 17, it says, Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses, and chariots of fire all around Elisha. That's our prayer today. I'm asking you today, not that you just listened, but even today that the Lord might open our eyes that we might be able to see. It's okay to use your sanctified imagination. In fact, you might want to compare verse 15 and verse 17. There are mountains, hills all around the city of Dothan, and just on the outskirts of town. It may be when the servant's eyes are opened where previously all he had seen is that surrounding the city there was the army of the Syrians that were there ready to surround Elisha and his servant. Then the Lord opens his eyes so that not only does he see the Syrian army, but then he sees the army of God. Chariots of fire, the horses of heaven. Maybe the same one that ushered Elisha into heaven as well. And there he sees, maybe he sees the angels who are in the chariots, and maybe he is able to see angels with drawn sword waiting for the nod of God to even bring judgment upon the Syrians if that's what God deemed necessary at the time. Can you see it? Can you see it in your imagination, perhaps what Elisha and his servant saw on that day? If you can, well, maybe you can see this. Maybe you can see the Lord providing or has provided protection and victory for you. Maybe you can see that the Lord has provided spiritual protection and victory for you, just as He did for Elisha 
and his servant. Again, asked fairly often, will there be dogs and cats in heaven? I've got a stock answer for that, and it is usually, I'll go ahead and say, without thinking, I'll say, well, you know there's what the pearly gates are for. That's to keep the dogs and cats out. Now, that probably doesn't sit well with those who are thinking of their beloved pet. Now, this is one of those questions that the Bible does not have clarity. Let's be sure that we are clear. Only human beings, those created in the image of God, are able to have a relationship with the Lord Jesus and with God. But we're not sure about animals in heaven. But guess what? We've got a little bit of clue here. There might be horses. And I know some of you are horse lovers, so that would be okay if there's horses in heaven. Hey, I can't to see, wait to see that white horse that Jesus is going to come riding on. Boy, that must be a beautiful horse. But the emphasis is not on the horse. It's on the one who's riding it, the one who's faithful and true, the one who's wearing many crowns. And on his robe, as he comes to defeat all enemies in that final battle on his robe, is written King of Kings and Lord of Lords in the book of Revelation. Well, your spiritual protection and victory is already assured. All that is needed for you to be able to have life in Christ and experience and see God at work has been accomplished. Victory was declared when Jesus took your sins and mind to the cross, when he conquered the enemy in death and rose again. Still, would you not like to see, I mean, not to have to wait to be able to see chariots of fire and horses and angels of heaven? Well, I think we can do even better. You ever been to some of those places to where the creation looks so beautiful? Maybe you think or maybe you even say out loud, how can anybody look at this creation and not believe that there is a God? Not only do I think that you've done it, I've been with some of you, and I know that you've said some of those very things in some of the beautiful countryside and creation that God has. Hey, and we have more than Elisha and his servant have. We had the picture book of the Bible. Your Bible, even if it doesn't have pictures like the first graders got today, guess what? It paints pictures for us of like streets of gold. It talks about the crimson blood of Jesus that was shed for us. It talks about the forgiveness of sin that washes our sins away and we are become as white as snow. Jesus himself is the greatest and complete picture of God who came from heaven to earth to show us the way. And he went from the earth to the cross, and then the cross to the grave, and from the grave to the sky. By faith, we can see that the Lord has provided the spiritual protection we need. He's not promised no sickness. He's not promised no disease, and not even no death. But He has promised no second death for all those who place their faith in Him. Eternal life and everything that we need to live for and to serve Him. I want you to note some who've gone before us who have able to see with spiritual eyes. The writer of the New Testament book of Hebrews talks about Moses in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 27. It says, By faith he, meaning Moses, left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as what? Seeing him who is invisible. Also, Jacob in Genesis chapter 28, verses 12 through 14, was able to see. Verse 12 of Genesis 28 says, And he dreamed, behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. 
Well, Jacob was able to see. Not only the ladder where the angels ascended and descended, but the Lord allowed him to see in the future that there would be many, many offspring of Jacob. And all the earth would be blessed. Who are the offspring of Jacob? We're the offspring by spirit, by faith of the Lord. How did all the earth be blessed? It was through Jesus. And then David in Psalm 27, verses 1 and 3 said, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Though an army encamp against me, he envisioned. Boy, how appropriate for today. My heart shall not fear, though war rise against me. Yet I will be confident. Also, this is, would be appropriate from the New Testament. Do you remember when Jesus was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane? Peter came and cut off that dude's ear. Secretly, we were thinking, way to go, Peter. But Jesus' perspective, he said, put away your sword, Peter. And then in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 53, he said, do you think that I cannot appeal to my father? and He will at once send me more than 12 legions of angels. Jesus certainly saw legion equals 10,000, 12 legions, 120,000. I'm not a mathematician, but I think he's probably talking about an unlimited amount. Maybe he's talking about the very same angels that surrounded the city of Dothan when Elisha and his servant were there. You know about angels, don't you? They're not necessarily watching over you. But don't be disappointed. Because the Bible says that they're always beholding the face of the Lord God, the one whom he serves, and the one, and the angels, he sends the angels to serve us, his people, at the very moment and when and where God says. Yes, you can see God at work in, by faith with spiritual eyes. See what, see what others saw, like Moses and Jacob and David, many others, and even Jesus. Jesus could have called upon the armies of God to save him, but he didn't. Elisha could have called upon God's army that day in 2 Kings 6. Did you notice? He didn't do it. Instead, he prayed another prayer pertaining to sight. He asked the Lord to blind the Syrian army. And then he said to the Syrian army or the officers or whoever, he said, this is not the city you seek. Follow me and I'll take you to the city and I'll take you to the man that you're looking for. Then he took them further into the land of Israel to Samaria, about a 12-mile journey. Now I'll leave it up to you to which is the greatest, greater miracle, the fact that the Lord blinded them or that blinded army continued to follow Elisha into enemy territory. We read through verse 19, but look at the third prayer about physical sight in verse 20, 2 Kings chapter 6 and verse 20. To where as soon, as soon as they entered Samaria, Elisha said, Lord, in this prayer, O Lord, open the eyes of these men now that they may see. So the Lord opened their eyes and they saw. And behold, they were in the midst of Samaria. Look at verse 21. As soon as the king of Israel saw them, he said to Elisha, My father, shall I strike them down? Shall I strike them down? The king of Israel was excited about what was going on. So much so that he asked twice, Can I kill them now? You know, the king of Israel was Jehoram, the son of Ahab and Jezebel. So as you can imagine, they did not always get along, but the king likes what's happening now, what Elisha is doing. Calls him my father, a title of respect. But did you read ahead? Have you, you already know what happens. Well, let's look at verse 22. He answered, You shall not strike them down. Would you strike down those whom you have taken captive with sword and with your bow? Set bread and water before them. 
that they may eat and drink and go to their master. Well, that seems to be kind of a surprising answer. But the king did even more than ask, verse 23. So he prepared for them a great feast. And when they had eaten drunk, he sent them away, and they went to their master. The Syrians did not come again on raids into the land of Israel. It would not be the last war battle with Syria. There would be more, but it stopped for a while. And they stopped the raiding, which they were famous for, going to the outlying towns and attacking the Israelites, at least for a time that was there. Well, that's our Bible story for today. You remember that verse from Psalm 119, verse 18, that I asked you to pray? Would you whisper it one more time? Because I think there's something that the Lord wants to show us today. Whisper one more time. Open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your law. What does the Lord want us to see? Maybe it's this. Like Syria, we were at one time enemies of God. We were enemies of the cross, sinners away from God. And the Lord called us to himself. Satan would be ready to seize us and to take us with him. The holiness of God could not overlook our sin. The wrath of God is what we deserve. But the grace of God saves us. And he does not want us to survive on spiritual bread and water. Oh, no. The Lord invites us to a feast. A spiritual feast with all the goodness and the abundance of God is ours to experience. So see this with spiritual eyes. See the Lord giving you grace. Undeserved grace is the definition of grace in life that is eternal and abundant. If you've placed your faith in Jesus as you walk in faith, this is what you can see and experience in Him. God's grace. Abundant life and eternal life. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, if you've yet to place your faith in Jesus, you're here today, maybe somebody is, is watching today, and then you've gotten a glimpse today of what life in Christ looks like. We encourage you today, ask Christ, ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins. Ask Christ to come in to be your Savior and Lord. Let today be the day of salvation. And I encourage you to tell somebody that you've done that. If you're doing that today, Tell somebody that you've done it. In a few moments, we're going to sing again and worship our final song. That's our commitment song. And as we do, I'm going to be standing down here. We'll have a couple others of our ministers down here. Come and tell one of us that you've accepted Jesus today or that you want to accept Jesus if you're still not sure what the next step is. And we encourage you to do that very thing. But there's one other thing that you need to see here. One other thing from this passage through this text and other parts of the Bible. See yourself showing grace and leading others to life in Jesus. Intentionally see yourself showing love to others that are not so loving to you. Being kind, even when the world's not very kind. See yourself watching for open doors so that you might be able to invite people to come and hear about Jesus, so that you might be able to share your faith, so that you might be able to give testimony about the Lord Jesus. Because if you envision that, if you allow your spiritual eyes to be able to see what could be. The Lord will give you those very opportunities to bring encouragement and make a difference in other people's lives. So as has been done to you and me, let us also do to others. Let's pray together. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that we've been able to have in your house. 
We know that you brought us here for a purpose. We know that you want to reveal yourself, show more of yourself to us. So it is my prayer that our eyes might be opened, that we might be able to see where God is at work all around us, that we might not just be able to see the enemy, might not just be able to see this world, but we might be able to see the things of God through our spiritual eyes and because we placed our faith in you. May it cause us to walk closer to you and see more of you than we've ever seen before. We pray today for those who may not know Jesus as Savior and Lord. May even now, during this prayer time as we sing together, may they be calling upon you, asking Christ to forgive them of sin, asking Jesus to come in. Thank you for your presence here today. It's in Jesus' name we lift these prayers. Amen. Would you please stand? We're singing our song of commitment. We want you to do business with the Lord, whatever that may be, as you sing and as you worship. We're going to be down front. I'm going to be down front. Gus is here. We'd love to talk with you today if you'd like to talk or pray about salvation, about church membership. If you have other needs that you'd like for us to pray for, our altar is open, or you can come and pray with one of us. As we sing together, you come.